Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Buffy and the Art of Stories, Season 3. If you love Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and you love creating stories, or just taking them apart to see how they work, you're in the right place. I am Lisa M. Lilly, author of the Awakening Supernatural Thriller series and the QC Davis Mysteries, and founder of writingasasecondcareer.com. Today we are talking about Season 3 in Review, and for the first time, you won't only hear from me. In fact, you won't hear very much from me, as this episode is mainly thoughts from you, the listeners and patrons. For some comments, I'll be reading reading them as these were thoughts that were emailed in. But we also have two guest voices, podcasters Jillian Swan and Roberta Lip. The topics today include Xander's character growth, the Faith-Buffy dynamic, Willow, the nature of the mayors and Faith's relationship, and so much more. As you know, if you're a fan of the podcast, typically I have no spoilers until I do a final foreshadowing section at the end. But for this episode, as people think about the character arcs, there are some what I would call spoilery thoughts that go a little bit beyond season three. If there is a specific scene or episode plot turn mentioned, I give a quick warning before that. But otherwise, I am just putting this all together. I don't think anything major will be spoiled if you listen and you haven't yet gone beyond season three. This is the last episode of season three of Buffy and the Art of Story, but don't worry, after a one-week break, I'll be back with The Freshman, episode one of season four. I can't wait to get into Buffy's college years. So look for that episode on Monday, February 22nd. Okay, let's dive into the Hellmouth. The first comments are from the Inkling Girl, who is a listener and a patron. And she says, season three has always been my favorite of the show. I love Willow's arc the most. I just enjoy seeing her grow in confidence and enjoy a relationship. Her season three relationship with Oz is definitely my favorite of any on the show. I've always thought her personality remains consistent, even when she stands up for herself to Buffy or Xander or anyone really, and I love when she has moments of snark. I think I like Xander's growth the most. He can be hard to love because he is so flawed and really does act like an immature teenage boy a lot of the time. But we get to see that he's from a home that at best is lacking real warmth or attention and at worst is toxic and abusive. He doesn't have good examples for behavior at home, so I feel like his growth is slow but rewarding as he does mature and make better decisions here and there, like paying for Cordelia's dress. I love his I like the quiet moment in the Zeppo when he shows such calm in a scary situation. Choosing a favorite episode is hard because I love the whole season so much. If I had to choose, it's probably Doppelgangland. It's fun to see Willow's alter ego, but mostly I love that she has this sort of identity crisis and then is faced with a literal opposite identity and has to reckon with that. It's such a fun episode and I always look forward to it. Favorite dialogue line is just about impossible. So many good ones from every character. 
but did you try checking inside the sofa in hell is probably it. I love some serious sarcasm from Willow. Thank you so much to Inkling Girl for these comments. I love especially these insights into Xander and Willow. That is one of my favorite Xander moments that I like the quiet. And I agree on all counts about Xander. He is this very flawed character, particularly viewing him from 20 plus years later. Some of his comments are so problematic. And yet there are reasons Xander is the way he is. You can check out the Inkling Girl at the links in the show notes, which include inklinggirl.etc com, patreon.com slash the inkling girl and instagram at the inkling girl and that's i-n-k-l-i-n-g steve also sends some comments another patron he said his favorite story arc has to be the whole Mayor Ascension line. Best character growth surprisingly has to be Xander helping Cordelia with the dress. And I love that Steve picked this moment because I know that Xander is uh, possibly his least favorite character. And interesting that both he and the Inkling girl comment on commented on that. For best line, Steve said it has to be one of the one-liners by Buffy about Giles and Joyce. And I'm assuming he means one of Buffy's comments about uh, if you're not too busy having sex with my mother or you had sex with Giles twice. And his favorite episode, Steve says, you know, this one for me is the Buffy Angel Christmas episode. So that is a men's not one of my favorites so I'm, I'm always interested when something that maybe for me is more on the I wouldn't say least favorite but not one that I really love and to someone else it is their favorite. We also have some thoughts from Jillian Swan, co-host of the Sunnydale Review podcast. You can find her on Twitter at Jillian underscore Swan. That's J-I-L-L-I-A-N underscore S is in Sam, W-A-N is in Nancy, N is in Nancy. So beyond my obvious fangirl love of Spike and Oz during season three, One of my favorite characters is the introduction of Faith and her arc throughout season three as it relates to Buffy. Through the first three seasons of the show, we see a lot of what-ifs on what Buffy's life could have been like if things had been slightly different. Uh, In season one, we learn that pre-Slayer Buffy was a lot like season one Cordelia, so we learn what she most likely would have been like if she was never called to be the Slayer. In season two, we meet Kendra, the opposite of Buffy in almost every way a by-the-book slayer who ignores her emotions, has no friends, and really no relationships outside of the commander-soldier relationship that she has with her watcher. In season three, we are introduced to Faith. Through her, we can see a what-if of a slayer who sees their power as making them almost godlike, someone who does not have their friends or a watcher to strengthen their sense of right and wrong or a strong moral center. Someone who doesn't take life too seriously and would rather prioritize easy instant gratification over hard work and a complicated plan for an arguably bigger payout. Faith's act first, think later, brute force will win the day mentality is in stark contrast to Buffy's mentality. Buffy understands and recognizes that the monsters she faces are oftentimes equally matched with her strength, 
So she must be cunning and use not only her physical strength, but her creative thinking to get the upper hand and win the fight. Plus, she has her friends, which we know sets her apart from pretty much any Slayer in the past. Another interesting aspect of Faith and her arc on Buffy is her father-daughter relationship with the mayor. With Faith's introduction and turn to the dark side, we see a similar but much darker relationship between Faith and Mayor Wilkins. The mayor cares for Faith, but most of the time it's for his own selfish ends. He gives her a gift of a knife with the expectation that she will use it against his enemies. He gives her an apartment so he'll know where to find her if like, he ever needs to call on her quickly. And so she'll feel like she owes him something for getting her out of the sleazy motel room. He offers her cookies, immediately followed by, now let's go kill your little friends. This is in contrast with the sincere father-daughter relationship we've seen develop between Buffy and Giles over the past couple of seasons. Giles guides Buffy, prepares her for fight, backs her up, and offers her emotional support. In return, Buffy appreciates him, trusts him, confides in him, and shares her triumphs with him both Slayer and academic-related. There's no strings. They are each free to make their own choices and follow their own path, but they stick together out of a sense of trust, respect, and love. Thank you so much, Jillian, for recording this. I loved hearing your views. If any of you want to hear more from Jillian, remember to check her out on Twitter at Jillian underscore Swan with a double N, or check out her links in the show notes. The next comments are from Michelle Lilly, as you might guess. Uh, She is related to me. This is my niece. And she says, Season 3 deals with the importance of your crew, how individuals fit in or conflict with the larger group, and the friction between otherness and humanity. As regards the core trio, they are struggling with their identity as it relates to the group dynamic. We see this for Buffy in Bad Girls, with Xander in Zeppo, and with Willow in Doppelgangland. I think the season's real strength lies in the development of several non-primary characters, though, primarily the mayor and Faith. What makes them so interesting is their sincerity. The show is getting better at more complex big bads, as opposed to the master who was just evil and super boring. The mayor is trying to ascend to a true demon form, but in the meantime, he is also going to do his darndest best job at being the mayor of Sunnydale. In particular, I'm thinking of the moment, maybe during Band Candy, where he is standing in a sewer waiting to oversee a sacrifice to some demon. And he's on the phone scheduling someone to come down and inspect the pipes because he sees that they're in bad shape. On a first viewing, I remember also being surprised that his concern for Faith is genuine. They have a sincere father-daughter relationship, and he becomes emotionally invested in her. Similarly, Faith is a wild card, but sympathetic. There are episodes where I just want to hate her, but her vulnerability and deep-seated emotional damage are so clear. It would be easy to categorize her as a villain, but it's hard not to see that Faith is what Buffy could have been if she didn't have the support network that she has. This idea is further solidified in the wish when we get a glimpse of what Buffy would have been like had she not found her Sunnydale crew. Faith has all the pressures of the Slayer destiny, but no family, and a series of trauma and betrayal that have made her calloused and unlikely to trust anyone's motives. 
She self-describes this pretty accurately when she's talking to Angel. I'm not so good at apologies, mostly because I think the world's out to screw me, so I'm generally more owed than owing. Faith and the mayor play beautifully off each other. The mayor's investment in Faith antagonizes his relationship with Buffy and the Scoobies, and Faith's desire for approval and love pushes her towards the mayor and away from Buffy. Whereas Faith could earn love and respect with the Scooby gang, that road looks more difficult to her because it involves changing a little and adapting to new modes of behavior. Whereas with the mayor, she can stay rooted in her old habits and be rewarded. She also sees Buffy as parallel to herself, being another chosen one, but at a level of goodness that she feels she could never live up to. The tragic thing is that Faith doesn't believe enough in herself, in her ability to be the kind of slayer Buffy is, and it's this more than anything the Scooby Gang does that pushes her away. She is too scared that she will fail, and this helps drive her towards the mayor, but that core desire to be better is so strong. Oh, and I'm going to pause here. There is a little bit of a spoiler here So, if for season four, so if you don't want uh, to hear that, maybe skip ahead 30 seconds or so. But that core desire to be better is so strong that it surfaces when she switches bodies with Buffy, and through pretending to be good, she starts to behave sincerely. In a different skin, she can start to experience what being a better version of herself would feel like. I think that experience is key to her seasons later redemption. This acute self-awareness Faith occasionally exhibits is shared by the mayor and is also a quality strong in Spike. In this season, Spike is still a fringe character, but they're figuring out what makes him interesting. Not only is he self-aware, but he has an incisive perception of other people's relationships and isn't afraid to call them out, most notably in the magic shop, when he tells Angel and Buffy that they'll shag and hate each other and be in love until it kills them, but they'll never be friends. We also get a lovely moment of Spike confiding in Joyce about his love life over a cup of hot cocoa, and we start to see the rough edges of his needs and weaknesses. This vulnerability, he's not too tough to ask for little marshmallows, combined with his swagger and performative bad guyness, make him so charismatic even in just a few episodes. Uh, I'm going to jump in there too. I, I'm pretty sure that is all only in one episode. I, I think Spike only appears that one time. So it really is something how many moments we get for him and how much they stand out. So back to Michelle's comments. Season three also introduces us to Anya, which is mostly exciting because she becomes so lovable in future seasons. But even in the little bit we get of her struggling to be a normal human after losing her powers, we touch on the thing that Faith, the mayor, Spike, and Anya all have in common in this season, and that is the exploration of otherness, as it rubs up against the humanity they all find within themselves. This season gives us so many interesting facets of this idea and does it with characters who have sincere desires, and I guess by that I mean human identifiable desires but they are distinctly on the margins of humanity. Even Faith, who by being a slayer, operates with a different framework of values. 
So it's a question of how challenging it is to feel human when you aren't really human. So we have Faith and the other villain slash demon types struggling to balance their otherness with their human tendencies. And we have Buffy, Xander, and Willow struggling with their identities as they relate to the group. Connection with others is so essential to everyone. And through this whole season, we see what happens when those connections strengthen or rupture. And all of those relationships are intertwined with one another. That's what makes it such a dynamic and satisfying season to experience. Finally, the moment I cry at every single time is watching Buffy get the class protector gift at prom. Buffy has always been an other, and at the last minute, she realizes that her larger peer group notices and values her for that otherness. In Buffy's case, her otherness being deeply connected to her humanity is what makes her a protector. It's a beautiful, affirming punctuation to the season's main explorations. And then Michelle added later in a sort of PS, the last time through, I said, I'm not going to cry this time. And I was fine until the shot of Giles looking at Buffy proudly as she's recognized. That's what does it for me. Not Buffy's reaction, but Giles watching her react. I didn't really talk much about band candy, but I do think that gave us a great range of Anthony Stewart heads acting. It's so delightful to watch, but good acting isn't as compelling a thread for why I like a season. If you would like to see one aspect of Michelle's artistic work, there is a video of a scale model she did of a scene from one of my mysteries that featured a historical Chicago mansion from the Gilded Age. You can find that at lisalilly.com slash model. I will put a link to that in the show notes. If you are finding this podcast helpful and you want to learn more about story structure or are looking for information about writing or publishing, you can check out the articles on writingasasecondcareer.com. You can also find free story structure worksheets there or through the link in the show notes. And last, we have comments from Roberta Lip, co-host of the They Coined It Mad Men podcast, which I love. Roberta is also a huge Buffy fan. On the last They Coined It episode I listened to, she and her co-host joked about how many Buffy references she gets in and how many times he mentions The Sopranos. Hi, I'm Roberta Lip, and I'm so excited to get to talk about Buffy. I talk about Mad Men a lot, so this is a great... Well, okay, I talk about Buffy a lot on my Mad Men podcast. It's true. My partner always um, rolls his eyes when I, when I go down the Buffy route. When Lisa asked us to talk about season three, that was just a no-brainer for me because it's my favorite. I came to Buffy by sort of catching a piece here and there when it was on TV like every hour of the week. This was a time when we weren't so precious about binging. Now it's like, I, I got to start from the beginning. There's no way I would watch something partway through. But at the time, it wasn't <laughs> so verboten. I had been aware of the show. I didn't really think it was for me, but I was starting to watch bits and pieces. And the scene that got my attention was 
in graduation day part one, I watched Faith shooting Angel. And, you know, it was very like cinematic from where she shoots him. It was, you know, may as well have been the Hollywood sign, right? It was like epically interesting visually. And then fast forward a little bit and you've got Buffy saying to Wesley, I'm talking about watching my lover die. And this was something else. This was not just some high school drama with supernatural stuff. And I didn't know what was going on. Like, were they together? Were they not? This was a sophisticated level of passion. My sort of requisite on-screen experience is getting my heart broken. So that was it. I was in from there. So now stepping back and talking about the whole of season three and why it's my favorite is there's a lot of love and a lot of heartbreak. Faith on her own just breaks your heart. I think something interesting about Faith is you never really get her backstory. It's always assumed and referred to that Faith has this bad background. It's all just there in in the characterization of Faith and in Eliza Dusku's performance. There's never a flashback. There's never a, this was my mother. Like you, I mean, you get like the littlest blips. I think that's so interesting that it's all just implied and assumed. You've got the second round of Buffy and Angel. You go back to season two, and there's an innocence there. And season three, she's wrestling with her own innocent, hopeful, I'm sure this can work, but she's no longer innocent. And you just, you know, it's doomed. You're watching the ultimate couple that cannot be, and you're watching it from the beginning of the season or from whenever he (laughs) stops growling. It's always futile. You've got love between the mayor and Faith, whatever that is. The mayor's one of the greatest, arguably the, the greatest of the big bads, but it's because of the love. He absolutely loves Faith. And in the special mentions, best high school romance category, I am team Oz and Willow. I just adore I just adore Oz I and, and how he stands for her, how he soothes her. Also, this is the season that gave us Vamp Willow, which, thank you. And then you've got a season of, of really fabulous psych-outs and like emotionally killer twists and turns. So back when we think Angel has turned and we think Angel is with Faith and it's horrible to watch. And then, nope, it was all plotted out. And that's an incredible, like, oh, and then Buffy's reaction to that, I know it was my idea, and I need a minute. Utterly relatable content right there. Faith showing up at the mayor's door, so that means there's a job opening or whatever that line is. You know, we talk a lot around Mad Men about surprising but inevitable. That was one of those moments. And then everything you go through in, in, the, in, in Graduation 1 and 2, Faith poisoning Angel, Buffy coming for Faith and doing it and then failing, and then having him drink her blood. I mean, devastating, surprising, and inevitable. And just going back, as pure romantic moments go, Buffy at the prom, she gets her sparkly umbrella, and she looks up, and there's Angel. Angel at the prom is a metaphor I use at times in life, or at least an analogy, or at least a reference. It's like Angel at the prom. And sometimes people even know what I'm talking about. I think the last thing about season three is it's the best of the high school seasons. There's great other seasons, don't get me wrong. But ultimately, Buffy is best when it's in high school, IMO. Lisa, thanks for giving us this podcast. As I've said, it's like I can just sort of watch Buffy in my head because you take me through it and then you bring new levels to it. So thank you for always raising the stakes. 
Thank you so much, Roberta. It has been terrific hearing your thoughts about Buffy and connecting with you about the shows that we love. If you want to hear more of Roberta, there is a short bonus episode for patrons where Roberta and I talk about the body. And you can become a patron at lisalilly.com slash Patreon. To learn more about Roberta, you can check her out on Twitter at Roberta Lip, that's L-I-P-P, or at TCI Madman Pod, or follow the links in the show notes. So that is it for this season three in review episode. Thank you to everyone who contributed and to all of you who listen and support the show. I will be taking a one-week break, but the following Monday, season four will begin with The Freshman, where Buffy struggles to adjust to college life and a new vampire gang. If you would like to comment on the show, you can email me, lisa at lisalilly.com, that's L-I-S-A-L-I-L-L-Y, or tweet me at Lisa Amazon Marie Lily hashtag Buffy Story. Music for this episode was composed and performed by Robert Newcastle. Buffy and the Art of Story is a production of Spiny Woman LLC. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.